The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 59 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Not a lot going on, apart from in the US. A little bit going on in Spain. But that's about it at the moment. Brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Evenstrokes, Supercrosslive.tv, Backyard Design UK, Blenzo Oils, and Talon Engineering. I'm James Burfield, and hopefully on the line, I think he's there, is the one and only MX Vice editor, Lewis Phillips. Hi. In the studio is Rob from Jukebox Beats, who puts these shows together for us. So, Lewis, another week, another nothing going on. Yeah, this has been really quiet. Um, but then it's like kind of what, like, what did we expect? And XGP were going to announce that the first round was an extra 50 days away, and then, like, I think lots of was going to happen. Like, I guess this was to be expected, but hey-ho, we move. So people were a little bit confused this week because I posted a picture of yourself in the podcast room on Twitter and people were like, even one person said, I prefer the shows uh, virtual, it makes no difference, da-da-da-da, you shouldn't make Lewis drive all the way down here. Well, I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about this after, because I said to you that if I was still driving down there every week, I genuinely think I would have died by now. And you were like, yeah, no, I agree. And I was thinking about this because you used to give me quite a hard time about like moaning about coming up. Like you used to think it was not very team player-ish. However, the I, more I think about it, the fact that I would get back from a GP on a Monday, f- drive three hours and then three hours back in a day on Wednesday and then fly to a GP on Thursday and do all of my other shit was quite impressive. I don't know how I did it and I would not be able to do it now. Yeah, and, and on one hand, I can see where you're coming from with that. But on the other hand, you must have so much more time, but yet you still don't get it all done. So, Well, you know me, I've got many plates. I'm spinning many plates. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Nah, it's f- fair play. Fair play for doing it. It's you, wouldn't expect, you wouldn't expect anyone else to drive three, six hours in a single day for the podcast each week. The only reason it was ever expected is because it's me and I am held to a ridiculously high standard that can, no one can um, meet by you. Apart from myself. Um, and and look, at, look at how great you are. Look at, look at the Lewis Phillips that came to me at 16 years old, <sighs> and I've groomed him to the, to the remarkable specimen he is now. I wouldn't, I'd say that despite you, I still moved forward. I don't know. I don't know. Someone did say to me this week, I was on the phone to someone, and they said they can't believe that I've turned into like the biggest insider in the paddock from where I from the quiet guy who didn't talk to anyone. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know. Who was there pushing you all the time? You should do a podcast. You should do interviews. You should do this. Well, it's not 
the f- well, you, I mean, I, I knew I had to do interviews. You weren't telling me that I had to do interviews. But from <laughs> day one, from, from 2013 to 2020, just remember who's had your back. I do, remember, you, I do remember when I started, you trying to tell me a lot of stuff about things I should do in the media. And I remember being like, yeah, I do know how this, I do know. Lewis, you should really try and interview a rider. It's like, yeah, I do realise. That's kind of common sense. Well, common sense and all the other little things. Quickly forgotten. Um, but, you know, that's, that's why we work as a good team. Well, I wouldn't say we're much of a team anymore. I'd say that um, I talk to you once a week on here and then we go in our separate directions. Yep. Yeah. No, it's quite good. I quite like it. Yeah, you only get to annoy me once a week now. No, but it was, um, uh, for those who didn't know, uh, we're putting together um, a really cool video at the moment which will hopefully be out soon. And um, we had to do a little uh, voiceover thing for um, the video, which involved the podcast. So do we, can we say anything about the video or not really? No, I don't think we can. Okay. But it's nothing compared, like the video isn't really that big a deal compared to what we are doing this year, which okay. I don't think we can talk about either. No, but okay. We are, just know that as well as MX Vice, the MX Vice team, bar James, is spinning many plates to... <laughs> you are such an asshole. Well, I didn't want you to get any credit. Just know that the MX Vice team, as well as MX Vice, we are spinning many plates in the paddock to try and push Europe a series forward. Like, we, we are spinning many plates. And I, I can't believe I, I get absolutely no appreciation in this business anymore. I laid the foundations. I put everything into place. I still work behind the scenes helping create things. And you don't give me anything. Yeah, you were like a cowboy builder because the foundation was pretty rocky. Fucking brilliant. I had to, get a, I had to get a proper builder in to f- redo the foundation. <laughs> that, is so, that is, honestly, you're <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> such a dick. Oh, I'm glad you're not in the podcast right now because I'd throw you out. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be like, brilliant. I'm going to get three hours <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Brought to you by Fly Racing. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. So, one thing we should mention uh, is Supercross West Coast. Oh, let's talk about that later, because I've put some questions into the Leah Ask Vice Anything questions about that, for that reason. So let's save those. Okay, well, let's, let's, should we go to the questions straight away? Oh. I guess I've got one thing to talk about. Oh, okay. I felt vindicated this week. Oh. Who who scorned you? No, no. uh, Wait, is that what... No, I mean, I felt vindicated as in I felt like after marching to the beat of a drum for so long, I was proven that I'm not a dick. But yet... (laughs) That's debatable. Well... That that is debatable. So, um, Koldenhoff did an interview with Yamaha. Uh, so I read it yesterday, and 
Uh, they said to him, what are you hoping to achieve in MXGP this season? This is going to be a touchy subject. No, it's actually not, because I feel like this, end, this ends it all. Everyone can stop tweeting me now. What, even um, cold enough? Yeah. So uh, Yamaha said to him, what are you hoping to achieve in MXGP this season? And Koldenoff says, obviously, of course, I want to win the world title. We all know this, but we all know this is not really easy. We're going to do as much as we can, though. The goal is to be on the podium every weekend. Like, is that not what I've been saying? Podium every weekend, sure, that's a reasonable, that is a good goal for Koldenoff to shoot for. I feel like I'm on the same page. Like, I feel like he's, I read that and I was like, so basically I was right all along. Because, okay, of course he wants to win the world title. I fully agree that he wants to win it. But as he said, it's not really easy with the competition and everything. So I kind of felt like I was... Do you know what? Well, I actually feel quite vindicated because on one hand, you're telling me that, you know, built a Rocky Foundation, cowboy builder and everything else. You basically called Coldenhoff an opportunist. No, you missed it. The only time he gets on a podium is when an opportunity no, comes no, up. No, 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 That's no. That's exactly no, what you said. No, it was never podiums. It was never podiums. That's exactly what you said. To be Basically, no, he only does well when there's no, an opportunity. I missed the complete context there. No. No. It was it was in talk of the 2019 this... victories, and I even said after the Latvian win last year, this was his first. I have no doubt in my mind he was the best. Like that was a that was a statement win to me. Whatever. Um, this is typical Lewis Phillips. Rose tinted glasses forgets everything he said previously. Like uh, things with MX Vice, or this is going to be a good idea. Or you should do this, Lewis. Nope, nope, that will never work. <laughs> Three years later. <laughs> Come up with this idea. No, you, you, you <laughs> this is it. This, this, that whole Coldenhoff thing vindicates everything that I have to work with and everything that's happened. No, uh, it is. I don't like, what I don't like about this podcast lately is you seem to be painting a picture that I'm quite forgetful when you, you, only, you only think I'm forgetful because you're being forgetful because everyone in this who's listens to this podcast from motocross or who genuinely has any idea about either of us is probably going, well, James, like, no, James is the one who's forgetful. James, it's you. You're the forgetful one. Yeah, but you have to re- remember that ever since you've taken on more and more, you have become very forgetful. Um, Apart from motocross statistics, which hands down, you never forget. I'm spinning a lot of plates. But no, I was, I was like, you know what? I completely agree with that. So, case closed. It's not case. This is like, that, that whole, that whole situation just, for people who know us, that, that little situation there, that, that typifies you. No, but I feel, no, I don't know. I, I don't want to go into it too much. I just was kind of like, I just felt like it was worth mentioning that this, what Coldenoff's shooting for this year. And you know what? If you'd asked me about reading that interview, I would have said, well, I guess he wants to win the world title, but that's not going to be easy for him and it probably won't happen. But I think a realistic goal for him would be to try to be top five every weekend or on the podium every weekend, at least shoot for that. He's obviously not going to be on the podium every weekend because no one does that. So, but to shoot for that, yeah, like that's that is cold enough. But we are we are one. We are we are one. Do you know? I'm probably going to just going to take two weeks off, and um, I'm going to go through the previous 58 episodes. I'm going to write down timings of every single thing you've said about cold and off. Yeah, and, and I, will, I, will, I, would, I would welcome that because it would prove that I have been scorned and <laughs> taken out of context <laughs> slanders. Absolute shit. That is absolute horseshit. You almost want to say it's a Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week. 
<laughs> you are the Planet Moto bombshell of the week. Oh, last week I was the Planet Wales performance of the week. This week I'm the bombshell. <laughs> Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Lewis Phillips is a Planet Moto bombshell. Yeah, anyway, I don't really, I just felt like people might be interested to know where, um, what the kind of goals are. And I was like, yeah, I thought it was interesting. So, anyway, moving on. What what are your goals for this year? My goals? Yeah. I'm shooting high. Okay. Uh, I've got like a couple of things I want to do that are putting me way out of my comfort zone. And I'm not too confident in myself to do it at the moment, but it's my goal still. Is that why you've just put them on the shelf? I'm not really putting them on the shelf. I'm just trying to, I'm not in a very confident swing at the moment. Like I don't feel, I don't feel very confident in myself at the moment. So I'm just waiting for that to turn around. Why not? Do you want to talk about it with us on air? No, no, that's fine. I just don't really, feel, I don't know, I've, I've lost a bit of my faith in myself to do this stuff that is way out of my comfort zone. But I've got 94 days to figure it out, so I'll figure it out. But isn't the, the whole thing that some of those things you're supposed to do before 94 days? No, I mean, that's what I mean. I've got 94, wait, no, not the things I'm talking about. The things I'm talking about are ideas for GPs. But I need to learn, I need to try and get better at being, at being myself. Mm. What about wearing a hat? I don't. I can't wear hats. My head's too big. I know, but it would like let save you a lot of time on your hair. No, it's fine. Right. Okay. Well, let's quickly move on. I think everybody wants us to move on to Liat. Ask Vice anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Liat has taken another step forward with the introduction of another set of boots to the range the all-new 4.5. These boots offer many of the features that come with the super successful 5.5 FlexLock boots, as well as advanced technology like the slide lock closure system and extended foot peg riding zone, but a mid-range price point. 4.5 boots are available worldwide for 254 uh, or 299 euros. That's 254 pounds. So, Lewis. So, ask Vice anything this week. We have an array of questions. Yeah, there was. A, I actually left out a lot as well. Like, I don't know why, but I feel like there was a, a, just a ridiculous amount of questions this week. I can see a lot of new people. Yeah, say like that as well. Like, I was like, where, like, where have all these people come from, and what, like, why are there so many questions, and where have all these new people come from? Mm, okay, right. Uh, let's start at Kurt MX sixty seven. Hello, Kurt. Who is going to be the highest placed Brit in either class at the end of the year? I feel like that's kind of... There are very safe bets there, aren't there? Well, Conrad, obviously, unless I'm forgetting someone. Because it's Conrad, Joel Rizzi and Taylor Hamill. So you would obviously back Conrad in that, wouldn't you? Unless he gets injured. Well, yeah, but I think we can... I don't think we should really be factoring that into his predictions. And to be fair, even if he gets a good amount of rounds in, that would probably work out. How, how do you think Taylor Hamill's going to get on an MX2? Because that's going to be an interesting point. Well, um... And who finishes higher, Taylor Hamill or Joel Rizzi? He was on the officially approved um, uh, teams list under DRT Kawasaki. He's been pictured on Instagram riding the bike, but I've been told that we shouldn't be talking about it yet because it's not been officially announced. <laughs> I don't understand. 
No, neither do I. So, um, no, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard because I can't really picture what the the back end of the MX2 class looks like. Like, I've kind of got a good idea of what... I, hang on a minute. When, when do they anticipate announcing it? It's like February. Yeah, I've been, told it's, I've been told it's coming for like three months. Yeah, I can picture what 1 to 10 in the MX2 class looks like, but I can't picture what 10 back looks like. So that kind of would massively impact where I'd put Rizzy and Hamill, but I'd expect them both to score uh, points or point a lot, at least. That should definitely be step one. Yeah, if they can, if they can get between 15th and 20th at most races, then, yeah, game on at that point. I think that's good. Yeah, that would be a really good. But yeah, um, no, obviously you'd go combat in MX2, and I feel like the safe bet is probably Ben in MX2, please. Watson wagon? Tube tube? Yeah. I mean, you can't rule out Sean. I mean, well, I was thinking about this the other day. Sean is a bit underrated because he when you think about how good he was in Matterley and how good he was in Volkenswad, I mean, a lot, literally almost a full year ago, but he was quite good uh, to start the season. So that's kind of forgotten about a little bit, but still, it's been on a factory bike. So, yeah, you would think the onus would be um, with him. But um, yeah, I still, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting because I think it'd be quite close between those two. Well, I was watching uh, Instagram the other day, and is this the start gates? Yeah, I was watching, and I, to be honest, I'd imagine that Cyril will be looking to take some tips from the Watson wagon moving forward. <laughs> as I, as I, as I told him he would be in Trentino. Another thing I've been proven right on. Right. Actually, I've just remembered that Sewell said, what did Sewell say to me in Trentino? That I was like, ouch. He said that he hasn't spoken to Ben yet, but if he's anything like me, then he'll probably hate him. <laughs> now that I think back, that's quite harsh. I quite like Jeremy. I think he's that's got quite, you. That's quite horrible. Yeah, I think he's definitely, uh, yeah, he's read you quite well. That's horrible. Uh, one thing which, and this is not Kurt's question, actually, this is kind of my question. So from uh, at James Burfield, um, what given Isaac Gifting's performances last year and, and where he started and where he finished, where do you think he figures in uh, in next year? Because there was times this year where he was he was pushing top three. Um, you always see it though, where no matter if it's here. America, like when a rider in America turns pro after Loretta Lynn's and they do the odd couple of rounds or jump in halfway through a season or whatever, they will make such a splash and like get everyone talking and it, everyone will be excited. But then when it comes around to the first full season, it's suddenly very different and the result, like the results are suddenly not as flashy and not as spectacular and it just doesn't quite carry over and it takes a year or two to get back to that immediate flash and dash and stuff that you get from your like one-off uh, races to begin with. So I don't know. I would put him low. I would put him eighth to eleventh, probably. You think he's going to be that low? Eight. eight well, no. Well, uh, off the top of my head, Vial. I would put Vial, Gertz, Vial, Gertz, Guardanini, Renault, Beniston. Hoffer, yeah, I'll put Hoffer. Uh, Moose Dyke, Borromei, like, that, there's eight riders there, and I've not included Harrop, 
I've not included Fernandez. I've not included Ferrato. Uh, like you know, like. See, that's the interesting thing about the the championship in 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 looking at this year because you reel off those names, but then you quite re- you quickly realise that uh, so many other factors come in, and it never quite works out that way. I think gifting reminds me a little bit of um, how Olsen came in. And I think he's going to be very much in that mold. He's, he's big, Scandinavian. I think he's going to really trouble uh, a few people this year. I think he's, given what we've seen last year in, in just his progression, I've got a feeling he's going he's gonna to be, the, he's gonna be the, the one to spice things up a little bit. I don't like. I, I say eighth to eleventh. That doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be on the podium on occasion and stuff. I just think. T- I just think more often than not, that will be his. When, when nothing, when things don't exactly go right, but they don't exactly go wrong, and he's just kind of going through the motions. I think that's where you'll find him. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're, I think he's an underrated rider. I mean, it's quite clear that you think he's got a gift. He is the gift that keeps gifting. At Chris United 93, what are the realistic and optimistic expectations for each Brit in respective classes? Can you, um, can you tell that I, with my OCD, I group the questions based on their topics? Hence why we've got two British ones in a row. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to bring it up. Cool. I mean, let's just do a couple, but I don't know, actually, because I, I don't know. <laughs> It, the thing is, right, so you've got 10 riders, right? Okay, let's look at it this way. This is a, this is a good way to look at this. Please hold. I will. I'm just going to um, pull something up quickly. I thought about this the other day, and I don't really know why I thought about it, but it's actually quite relevant to this discussion. So I will bring it up now. So um, Simpson was top 10 on occasion last year. Um, Watson, you would expect to be top 10, and then the same goes for Olsen and people like that. So the top 10 in MXGP this year was Geyser, Sewer, Caroli, Fevre, Paul Lambert, we'll take him out and add one on, Prado, DeSalle, same thing, Kolnoff, Van Horbick, Bogers, Tixier, Hurlins. So say those, those are the active riders who are default top 10 going into this year. That doesn't include Jazakonis, Evans, Monticelli, Vlandering, Tonus, and people like that, let alone the newcomers like Ben and Olsen and then the injured people who got injured last year like Simpson and all people like that. So those riders who are on the outside need to topple those riders who are default top 10 to get into the top 10. So obviously you would say that Geyser, Sewer, Caroli, Herlins, Fevre, Prado, Koldnoff, were probably like lot shoo-ins. Like no one's knocking them out of the top ten. They are going to be top ten, and that is seven riders. So that leaves three spots in the top ten. Now I think that Ben can beat Van Horbeek. I think he can beat Bogers, and I definitely think he can beat Tixier. So there is room for people to get in the top ten. So I do think that Ben will be a consistent top ten person, and I do think truly, hand on my heart. I think he's going to surprise people. I think he's going to impress people. And I think there is a podium this year. I feel like I really went around the houses then to get to a really simple point. Yeah. <laughs> I've I got to be honest. 
I, I was just wondering where you were going with it. Well, you know, you get what I mean. Like, this, like okay, the, the, my point being, Jazzaconis will expect to be top 10. Evans will expect to be top 10. Monticelli will expect to be top 10. Blandrum yeah, will, but- will, Olsen will, Ben will, Simpson will. That's... 17 riders. Yeah, but we see this every... I understand what you're saying, but we see this every year. Monticelli expects to be uh, a top 10 because previous year he's, he was floating around, you know, top five, getting really good, like, hole shots and stuff like that. And then he has a shit year or then he gets injured or whatever. Like, all these okay, riders... Okay. Are you, are you incl- I didn't include Monticelli as a shining example then. I just used him in the group. Like, okay, but... Evans, but like- is Olsen, Ben, like... You would ex- like my point being is to say realistic expectations for about eighteen riders. You would say top ten, but to really, I would say that about ten riders. But I really would stamp that Ben is going to be a top ten rider at worst. Yeah, but we've seen how starts are so crucial in in MXGP and MX2. You, you a rider gets a good start, and in that is make or break that race. You're not really going. You're not really. I just think adding to my point. I just think that you're you're kind of like not doing a disservice, but you're kind of like saying, right, well, these riders are ranked here, these riders are ranked here, so he's gonna he's gonna basically. What are the realistic and optim- optimistic expectations for each if each Brit in each class? Will Bon Watson finish in the top ten of the World Championship? I've just said that yes, I've said and I've said I'm not just saying that as in like yeah, I expect him to be top ten, like for like eighteen riders would say. My point is, is, it would be easy to say that because as you could say about 18 riders, but I do truly believe that when it all shakes out, he will be one of those 10 riders. And there will be eight riders who wish they were in there, but I do truly believe that Ben will be in there. Okay. And what about Sean? I don't know, because he was really good at the start of last year and people forget that. And it's recency biased because obviously, like, he didn't really race in Latvia. So we've got two races to go off of. Both were really good. Both were effectively a year ago. I think he gets in top 10 at 40% of the rounds, 50% of the rounds, um, but probably 10 to 15 more often than not. Well, that's where his place is on a, on a weekend where nothing's really going right, but nothing's really going wrong, and it's just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I think both... I think both Ben and, and, and both Sean, um, a, a fit Ben and fit Sean, um, are both capable of finishing between 12 and 10. Oh, so you've just said that two riders are capable of finishing in three positions. <laughs> yeah, because like, where you're saying there's 18 riders what are all um, capable of finishing top, you know, top 10 this year, then I would have said around about, you know, they, they might, Sean might surprise us with like, you know, good, consistent, Maybe the bad luck, you know, with injuries and stuff like that, he puts a, a consistent year together. Um, and he fish, finishes in between, you know, he, there's no reason why he can't finish um, 8, 9, 10. Well, yeah, I said he'll be top 10, like 40% of the rounds. Um, yeah. You can't factor in, you can't try and factor in the injuries at this point because of that. You can't, but they do play a massive part every year. In in uh, overall position, I'll tell you something. Actually, I thought about this. You, you can't, although you can't include them. You can't dismiss them. They're I, there. I um, I thought about this the other day. MXGP is in a real rough spot with injuries, where we've now had really, we've now had two years on the bounce, where it's been really bad. And 
you could even say that 2018 wasn't great because we never really had a fit geyser. So, like, although we had a great hurlings Coroli battle, Coroli was dealing with stuff through the year and geyser never really got started. So, like, I feel like MXGP really needs a good, healthy year this year because rather than going, oh, it's just a one-off with the injuries, I feel like fans are starting to be like, well, a lot of people are going to get injured and the chances of us having a series like Supercross are at the moment where touch wood, it's all been quite good so far as far as injuries go. I feel like the dream of having that in MXGP is kind of dwindling a bit just because it's not happened in so long. So my one hope over, over everything is that everyone actually stays healthy this year because I feel like that's what the series needs. Do you, do you think, though, that that goes to... I, I think there's, a, there's been a little bit of a, a, a turn where people are actually just thinking, um, you know, I... I I will take the chances when, when you know, they come up. Um, however, I'm going to play this so I can see the whole season through. I think there's a little bit more of that this year. Yeah, but, yeah, but Hurlin said that last year and then a freak thing when he was cruising and he wasn't even pushing, like, ruled him out. Like, um, Prado got COVID. Like, you know, like... It yeah, just... there, there, there shit happens moments. That's what but I mean. that... That's what yeah, I mean. I, that's I, I, motocross, though. Anything can come out and bite yeah, you in the ass. I mean. I it's like when so you're, what I'm saying is when you're pushing the button. If you, if you back down a little bit from pushing the button, um, then that's what I'm saying. You've got more chance of, of, of having consistent finishes because you're riding within your means. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I don't think that's relevant because it's not been a case of, well, MXGP has been hit by injuries for the last two years, but everyone's just riding them like madmen. The fact is that all of the injuries over the last couple of years have mostly come from freak bad luck things like Koldnoff, just a weird bad luck thing. So, Sure, but there is that pressure. And when you do talk to riders, they do say that some people are willing to push and others aren't. Yeah, but, yeah, but everyone knows that. That's not like breaking news. What I'm saying is we're just in a... I just feel like we've had so much bad luck in the last two years that people are almost now expecting that bad luck. And I'd really like us to have a year where we avoid it completely to kind of reinstill faith that, oh, look, we can have a year where all of our top guys stay healthy and it's all good, or like 90% of yeah. our top guys can stay healthy. I, I, st- I still think that's a, it's, it has to be a swinging mentality as well of, of people kind of like not, not going all out in the first six rounds to take, you know, chances which um, normally they wouldn't take. It, it is about kind of like trying to build up. So I, what I'm saying is like, I'm not, I'm not a professional rider or anything. All I'm saying is that will riders look at this differently and say, okay, I, I'm here for the, for the long haul. I'm not here to, to take chances in the initial rounds. If I get a fifth, so be it. Yeah, but that, like, but again, I don't think that's not anything, like that's not a new thing. Like her, that's all Hurlings went on about last year. Like they, everyone is doing that. It's just bad luck. Bad luck has just been swarming everyone over the last couple of years. Like everyone is saying that. Everyone's saying, "I've just got to be there. I just need to stay healthy. Consistency's key." Blah 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 blah. And then still, bad luck is finding people. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like it's not like if I went into the paddock now and went, uh, "Have we all thought about trying to be consistent and staying healthy?" Everyone would go, well, "Fuck me, that's a good idea." We we as a collective have been doing that. And it's not, it's still, shit is still happening, basically. Whereas 
in I feel like like twenty like I've said a million times, twenty twelve was a really bad year for Supercross injuries. Really bad. Like just the field was decimated. It was basically Villapoto left and that's it. And even he didn't even make it to the end of the season. But then the next year was fine. And so everyone forgets about 2012. But the fact, like, we're now in a streak of this in MXGP, so I hope that streak doesn't continue because the more it continues, the more people go, well, this is the norm. And I don't want it to. I don't want it to. I don't want a championship where ultimately it comes down to the fact that everyone gets injured is considered the norm. I want it to be the anomaly. Okay, right. We've spoken a lot about uh, Sean and Ben Watson. Now, how about Adam Sterry and Nathan Watson? I'll tell you what, I don't know what's going on. I need to write, I need to stick a post-it, post-it note on my wall saying Nathan Watson's racing MXGP because I keep forgetting. I don't know why. Like even when you said Adam Sterry, I was like, who's he going to say next? And then you said Nathan Watson and I was like, fuck me, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, um, sorry that you forgot. Apologies to Nathan. Um, so what do you think? Adam Sterry? I thought Sterry did get good at the end of last year. and. He's now got a solid program. So, you know what? I don't know where I'd put him, but I wouldn't be afraid to put him down as the rider who will improve the most compared to last year. But then I guess that would kind of be ruined because he did improve a lot of the last two rounds. So everyone would be like, well, we saw that. But yeah, if you, could, if you compare his season as a whole, then I think that he, will, he could be the most improved rider and probably again in that 10 to 15 range. Okay. High expectations from Mr. Phillips. Well, I need to write a list, really, because I'm trying to, like, now that I think about it, how many riders have I got in the 10 to 15 range? It's a lot. I feel like Sterry can beat, well, to be fair, I feel like if Sterry starts with Monticelli, Sterry can beat Monticelli. Does Sterry beat Jacoby? Jacoby's another, like, forgotten one. Because they've come up together. Yeah, you know what? And MXGP, they've always battled together. Yeah, he can beat Jacoby. And you know what? I'd even go as far as to say I wouldn't be surprised if Sterry's on the better bike, so yeah. Oh, Sterry can beat Jacoby. There we go. And Chervelin and all that, like he can beat that group easily because he was never, he was always a better rider than Chervelin. So why should we now think of it differently? Cool. Uh, Nathan Watson. Uh, do you want to take this one? I've spoken a lot. Well, uh, the, the one thing going against Nathan is that he won't be doing the overseas. So that's going to play into, because um, obviously he's doing European only ranks. Uh, his overall finish at the end of the year is going to be obviously uh, hindered by by those rounds, unless the calendar dramatically changes and Indonesia goes and, and, and so on and so on. So um, he has obviously, uh, I don't know, I, I think uh, the intensity, uh, I think that's something that Nathan's going to have to, uh, is going to hold him back because obviously Enduro, uh, after being, was it three or four years in Enduro, that, that, that initial... Uh, race intensity that's going to be the hardest thing to to kind of get back for, for Nathan uh, you know it's going to take a few rounds for him to to be able to do that I'm sure that's something that they're focusing on at the moment but uh, I would say um, yeah I think I think Adam Sterry's uh, purely capable of, of of 15 to 10 and I can't see what, you know as crazy as it sounds I can't see why um, Nathan Watson can't break that top 15. The only thing that would be hindering him would be the loss of points over the, uh, you know, the, the flyaways. So, yeah, I think it's, it's quite nice to have um, four Brits. We're quite, quite lucky to have four Brits in the, um, in a, in the MXGP Championship. 
Only, let's talk about one more rider because we talked about this way long. Uh, basically, can Conrad? Well, I was going to say can Conrad win, but I guess first we should say can Conrad podium, which is an obvious yes. Yeah, but can he win one? Not the title, obviously, a race, a GP or a moto, even. I don't know. Uh, you've seen aspects last year. I, I want to say one of the Italian rounds when he stayed with uh, Vial and uh, Gertz. And he looked really good. So has he got that little extra bite? I don't know. You've got to think that he's definitely making steps with the setup he's got and um, you know, having Steven Sword around him and stuff. So uh, I don't know. I, was it easier last year than it is this year? I, I no, don't know. Not at all. No, so... Watson and Watson in there. Yeah, so... I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think podium, yes. I think, you know, as one of his biggest fans, I think uh, a race win. I, I think G, a GP win, no, but I think a race win, I think he might get one this year. I kind of look at it all as like a step-by-step thing. So like, first I need to see him get the podium and then I'll be able to confidently, confidently say whether he'll go on to win. Same thing as like, I feel like if we have a two-day format, a qualifying race win would help him on his way to getting a GP win because it's just like a step-by-step building box thing. But, you know. Yeah, I think we covered that quite well. Yeah, we kind of bored everyone to death for that one. Yeah, nice. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in uh, literally five minutes. These sponsors that we're talking about, these are the guys that help us. But... First, we'd like to thank Fly Racing. It's redefined expectations and safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rail technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. We'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out Liat.com for more. 
Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 59 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Uh, This section of the show is brought to you by Technical Touch. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all anodized internal parts and DLC coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. By adding a mid-speed valve, the KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is a custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. You too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Seaworth and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com for more information. So, Leah, ask Vice anything questions are in full flow. Um, we did take our time over the first couple of questions. Yeah, we're going to speed this up a little bit. Yeah, let's speed it up. Okay, let's go. So, Leah, ask Vice anything. So, I don't know why you wanted to harp so much on the fact that riders should try and be consistent. Like Whatever, just there. shut up. Uh, Leah, ask Vice anything. Questions coming up. At Greg Wilcox, 28, will Antonio Caroli retire this season? We want that 10th title, but it's stacked. Does he make it 10? Does he retire? I would bet that he would retire. However, based on how the season works out with COVID and stuff, I can't see him wanting to go out with a season with no fans and stuff like that. Uh, Or maybe he doesn't care because he's been around fans for so long and he's kind of done that. Um, but I, if I was a betting man, I'd have to put money on him retiring at the end of the season. Um, that 10th title, I don't know, we never saw him really healthy last year. So you could say that he's going to be better than last year, which would, and obviously was quite good last year. So that would put him in line with Geyser a little more. Um, but yeah, if you're a better man, it probably wouldn't be the safest place to put your money. Like, if I'm ranking title chances, I'm putting Hurlings, Geyser, Prado above Crowley. Crowley fourth, as far as percentages go. And then Sewer behind him. And Fevra, maybe Fevra above Crowley, slightly. Don't you know where I put Fevra? Because I was quite high on him a couple of months ago. But I've kind of lost that for some reason. Recency bias. Well, recency to nothing. Maybe his poster fell down on your wall. No, yeah. He, it's definitely realistic, and I wouldn't be shocked if he does get the 10th title. However, it's not going to be easy, and he probably will need some help along the way. But I think I said it at the start of last year. His greatest strength would be staying consistent. If he can smash out seconds, thirds, and fourths every single week without fail, and then taking a win when it's presented to him, that would see him quite well. Okay. At Kevin C430, the track in Spain that you, Lewis, love so much looks flat as a pancake. Is it? Please elaborate. You've taken this all wrong. I don't love the track. You do? Oh, no. Okay. You, again, you just love taking everything I say and speak. No, you said it's fucking brilliant. There's a okay. mold air. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Fico. That's not the track. Fico. <laughs> 
that's the event. And if you let me finish, I never said. No, you said, oh my God, the riders love it. It's got, um, it's got cambers, everything. Okay, again, let me finish because this question was actually specifically said to me. Um, <laughs> I never said that I love the track. What I was saying is if you're a fan who's going, oh, I don't know whether to go to St. John or I don't know whether to go to Tushintal, then I think as an event, Spain is very, very good. And the track isn't as bad as everyone thought because it's not flat. It's actually on like some natural rolling hills. Like it's, it's not hilly as much, but it's definitely not flat. Um, and yeah, the riders did like the soil. The riders did like the off cambers. A few probably layout changes need to be made to make it better for racing because it was a bit meh as far as like passing opportunities and that go but i never said that i love the track there's a lot better tracks out there what i'm saying is if you're a fan and you're going right i've got 300 quid to go to a random country for a gp like you can go to st john and the track's amazing and the atmosphere will be great but as far as like an enjoyable weekend with everything else you'll struggle to find a hotel you'll struggle to find food so like that's what I'm looking. That's what I mean. As far as an event experience, where you go, bloody hell, that was a really good weekend because we got to watch some good racing, got good weather, and when we left the track, that was enjoyable too because the hotel was close and that was nice, and we could get food easily. So it was a really nice weekend way. That's what I'm trying to get across to people, and I'd like to thank the person who DM'd us on Twitter for my advice on what GP to go to. And when I explained Spain, he was very happy with my suggestion okay i just want i don't want people to be misdirected by when you say can get food uh you know available um when lewis says get food available he's talking about probably burger and chips or a margarita pizza so if you actually like uh you know just at the national cuisine you'll pretty much find that anywhere well, no 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 like my point stands, if you go to St. Jean, you are in the middle of nowhere. So everything is suddenly a bit more hassle and a bit more difficult. Yeah, but you can go and stay in La Rochelle, which is not that far away from St. Jean. You can have a fantastic weekend. But again, point stands, you go to Spain, you're in Madrid. I think Madrid. Was it Madrid? No, Valencia. No, where, where the hell did I go? Brilliant. That's going well. Should we move on? Um, okay. But, but yeah, I never said that I love the track. I'm just right. if you're going there for an event, very, very angry right. today. Very well, angry. You put every week. You just put what you twist everything I say. Like <sighs> okay, all right. At Edward dot zero five. When is Tommy Sorrell hosting the show? Next week, Edward. If I can get my way, because as you can tell, he's very, very angry. Uh, I've actually was speaking to Tommy about this week. Um, he. Is keen. I am keen. So, very well, why, what? Let's do it next week. Next week will be good. We can. Um, Tommy can, doesn't even have to come down. He can do it over uh, Zencaster, and away we go. Well, it's just kind of we're just lining up schedules. Okay. Well, let's try and make next week happen. I can have a week off, um, and I can actually listen for once because my voice is not on there. So, yeah. Great, Edward. Hopefully, we'll make that Edward happen next week. Very soon. He needs to. It's part of his commitment. Okay, yeah. At AO Cortez Zero, is there going to be an MXGP round at Red Sand again? Maybe one day in the very, very, very far future, but no, probably not because they lost their arse on the first one. 
Yeah, they got they, have, they got they basically got promised support from the local government to cover costs and whatever else, and the local government bailed on them without giving them a penny, as far as I can understand. So, yeah, yeah, rip. Yeah, not good. At MX underscore news underscore now, will Jeremy Seaworth be considered a title contender this year? Or is he still just a great top five guy? Oh, am I the only one who thought Sewer was a title contender last year? Leaving Mantova last year, if you'd ask most people in the paddock, like, who's, who's going towards this title? Most people would have said Sewer is bloody looking amazing. But he didn't know the points. So he didn't even know he was actually where he was in the championship. No, but that doesn't, that's not relevant. Well, it was because if he had known those points, there was a, a, a position there where uh, it all went a little bit wrong. Yeah, but that wasn't because he thought he had a 100-point lead and he could slack off. He knew, the, he knew he was close and in the race. It just, things, like, things spiralled a little bit with crashes and then just momentum shifts. Well, actually, more so than things going wrong for Sewer, it was more things suddenly going very, very right for Geyser. It was once we left Mantua that Geyser just was unstoppable and just ridiculously good out of nowhere. But no, I think he's a title contender. I, I will fully... I will f- when we're talking about Geyser, Hurlins, Caroli, Prado, I will fully include Sewer in that group. I would... Because what? If, if you're not including Sewer in that title contender group, you're going to talk about him in the next group, which is with... Who would that be with? Who would be in the next group? Either way, he needs to be in that first group. He is, he is a title contender through and through, no doubt in my mind. Okay. Uh, thank you for that question. At Braden underscore boot, if Gertz wins this year, does he move up to MXGP? Where would he go? This is a plea. It's a, it's a, it's a broadcast announcement coming to you, and this is a plea. So is this is Instagram. For the love of God, I don't want to take the piss. I really don't. I'm past that. I've grown. Grow you, you have you have not grown. Grow with me, person who does the Instagram. Let's both move forward together. I'm sure that Gertz does peel his own potatoes, and that's fine. Good on you. However, we don't need to see that on Instagram. Just post a photo of you doing a scrub. Just post a photo of your gear. Just do anything but that. And like I say, I'm not taking a piss, and I'm not angry, and I'm not sad. I'm just pleading with you for the love of god make it stop it's just not fair and i can confirm that 17 people dm'd me his latest post so we everyone thinks the same we we all we all want this to change whoever does your instagram there we go huh there we go that was brought to you by a party political broadcast that's i just i felt like it needed to be said it's all good. It's all well and good having laughs and everything, but it just we needed to, like Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever other support group, we just needed to get this guy's attention and make him see the error of his ways. Do you, do you think that the person behind social media is in denial? I just, I, I just. It's like, it's like. This is all I'm going to say. The potato post, it's like someone said to him, did you hear that a lot of people are saying you manage Gertz's social media terribly? 
And he went, really? Hold my beer. Because right now, I'd quite happily go back to what we had last year. He's gone off a cliff. But there's, there's not a lot going on with the camper, so maybe it's just oh, potatoes next. Now, the camper posts seem quite normal. But that seem, I'd go back to that now. That seems like the best... That Somehow, maybe this is part of the strategy. That now seems like the best-case scenario, because now I'm, watch, I'm watching Gert's peel a potato. What about if he etched a monster logo into the potato? Would that make you, make you feel better? I just... I just, I just, I just can't do it anymore. And I realise that it just and like, okay, we're moving on after I say this. Who starts an Instagram caption with "Hey guys"? It's not a letter. It's not. You haven't sent me. You haven't sent a group email to your followers. Hey guys, don't be fooled. A vice world champion also peels his potatoes. Don't worry, I wasn't fooled. Like, I wasn't sat here going, well, joke's on me, because I was thinking he didn't. Well, don't I look stupid? Who would have thought? I didn't care, and I don't care now. Just make it stop. To be fair, um, actually, should a professional rider be peeling potatoes? Because my wife peeled a, peeled a potato the other day, literally took a chunk out of her thumb, didn't stop bleeding for two days. Well, based on Gert's technique here, we may be in for something similar. Okay. Uh, should we get back to the question? Uh, no, we wouldn't be moving up to MXGP this early, mainly because Yamaha wouldn't have room for him. And equally... They'd want to win another title. Well, that, and I, unless Gertz makes major steps forward this year, I don't quite feel like he's ready for the 450 class. And okay. And nor is his Instagram. No. At Tom Sargent 444 do you think that Saturday afternoon qualifying race being run as a moto instead would work? That would be three motos at each GP with Saturday morning being time practice qualifying before moto one. Then Sunday would be a practice and motos two and three fours. I think that's a fucking good idea because I've always said qualifying is bollocks. I just think it would be, a, I just think that would be a lot. I feel like three motos in a weekend is just a lot. It's a lot to take notice of like because at that point what we're doing 20 rounds that means you've got 60 motos in a season it's like jesus christ like and also if you do that then you're you're increasing the penalty for missing one round with injury 2018 when hurlins won the title he missed a round with a broken collarbone so had there been three motos on that weekend Instead of losing 50 points to Crowley, he would have lost 75. Now, he would have ended up winning the championship anyway because he had won with a bigger gap than that. But still, it would have been like, obviously, in anything like that happens and you're massively penalising the rider even more. And also, that doesn't solve the problem because we, tried, we, almost, we kind of tried this not too long ago, didn't we? I can't even remember what year it was, but they were going to give points for the qualifying race for like the top five or something. They got scrapped like a month after the announcement because the teams were just like, we don't want that. We don't want extra races in a weekend. We don't want extra emphasis on races in a weekend. Like we can't like, because that's rather than solving the issue of the qualifying race, which I don't actually see a problem with. Um, I think I read that even F1's doing something like that now. Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, you're not really solving the problem with that. You're adding to it because you're now making the qualifying race even more intense than it already was. 
Okay, what about one race Saturday, one race Sunday? No, because that's just a bit like, what's the point? Like you've got an entire day on Sunday with one with two thirty minute motos. Like that's just a bit like, what are you going to do for the other nine hours of the day? Okay, so it's no pleasing anybody, and everybody can just continue doing the whole uh, nothing qualifying race and just make sure you don't crash. I think it's quite. I don't think. I don't. I don't think it's that big a problem. Yeah. Okay. At Phil Malins. Ah, hey Phil. Nice to hear from you. Are riders missing a point of not merchandising themselves by not offering T-shirts, caps, hoodies, etc., with sponsorship on? Motocross seems to be the only motorsport that doesn't do this, with the exception of Geyser. Or is it that the fans of motocross don't seem to care? I, I am of the opinion that, that European fans, especially, don't seem to care, and I don't know why. I just feel like. It's not seen as the thing to do to buy a T-shirt of a rider and walk around wearing it. I just don't feel like that's considered the cool thing to do or the the natural thing to do. I don't know why. Um, But then again, when we got MX Vice T-shirts made, I said to James that he was mental because why would anyone buy one? And we've sold hundreds. So um, maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, I don't know. It can't, it can't hurt doing it, even if you don't sell a ton. You've just got to make sure you have a good... Like, you can't just sell a T-shirt with a photo of you doing a whip on it. You've got to actually have a brand. Like, it, it, come, it goes more from just... It goes... There's more to it than just your merchandise, because to complement your merchandise, you then need to create the brand for yourself on Instagram and, like, have your identity. Like, Ben Watson's got a logo that is now been around long enough where like that's a Ben Watson logo so if you saw that on a t-shirt you'd be like well that's like yeah that's the Ben Watson logo not just that's a Ben Watson design that kind of just looks like a random t-shirt so there's more that goes into it to make it work but there's no harm that can be done of doing it but also I don't know if fans care and also I don't know okay uh I've got some thoughts on this would you like to hear mine yeah crack on okay uh so uh, pretty much every other sport, um, one of the biggest sources of income is is merchandise. Uh, if you look at football and how many people are buying a £55 uh, football shirt for either themselves or their kids. Again, uh, personalized with name and number and in, in all the rest of it. I, I genuinely think that um, people would. People have their favorite riders. I think people have their favorite teams. They like the look of a team. They might have a close affinity um, and, and so on and so on. I genuinely think that um, all riders and all teams are missing out on a massive um, opportunity of generating additional income for themselves. I mean, we we talk about salaries all the time. It's in your interest, people, to to, to do this, to market yourselves, to to merchandise yourselves. Um, I I just I just think you're, you're quite correct in in you've got to get your brand right. You've got to get your messaging correct. Um, you know, there's a whole thing to this. It's not just a case of, oh, we need to do team merchandise. Uh, let's just uh, chuck a chuck a couple, you know, couple of sponsors. The other problem, what you're always going to face, um, is that you cannot um, like things like Monster, Rockstar, stuff like that. You can't use their logos and brands without you know royalties and in, in, in getting a request for in access to be able to use it. Um, so there's there's multiple problems um, with so that's why it's you know if team if team uh, sponsors want to want to get involved great I just think that the sponsors are actually missing an opportunity if you look at 
every football shirt, it has the main sponsor on the front. It has the sponsors on, on the sleeves. So do you know what? If, if the, the sponsors don't get it, then that, that's their issue. But the teams and, um, and riders, this is a great opportunity for additional income. At CR Dory, hello lads, hope all is well. I have a gear question. Alpine Stars, a factory KTM, Kawasaki, and Yamaha in Europe. Could you guess roughly how much they are paying out for these teams? And do they see that money back in sales or do they just write off as advertising marketing? I know that I know for a fact that Alpine Stars is looked at as the company that will basically spend the money, spend a shit ton of money on teams and not really care about what the return is. They just kind of do it because they can. Like, hence why they were sponsoring four or five high profile, well paid riders in America a couple of years ago when they weren't even selling the gear. It was more of a like statement and a kind of fuck it, we, we can do it, so why not? Then, uh, well, if we do this, then carry the one and the return will be like it wasn't so much that, but in GPs, I don't, that's KTM and Yamaha have got to be millions, million euro deals gotta be for hurlings vial and then like that's gotta be a million euro deal surely surely the interesting aspect about this is since we've been doing even strokes and we've got into the retail sector you wouldn't believe how many brands how many retailers you know social media how much um we're all reliant on getting great imagery great content building great content, to tell a story, to show, showcase a product. You know, every dealer uh, around the world that's selling this, uh, you know, requires content to be able to supply or, or uh, information, features and benefits, all this type of stuff um, to help sell a product. So it's like right away at the food chain. Actually, right at the top of this food chain is, is the riders and the teams that are providing the, the content uh, the marketing collateral uh, enables to tell a story so that we are all influenced by um, the products that we see. So it's hugely, hugely important in the whole like cycle of selling products that you know teams, riders, and everything else. So, so these riders and these teams, they're worth the money because the amount of content that's created from it is phenomenal. Um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, you know, just a, I would say a 10th place guy could, um, in, in MXGP, could uh, probably get as personal sponsorship from certain brands uh, anywhere between 50 and 100,000, depending on their uh, name and um, uh, results based finishes. Well, the thing is, Alpine Stars is a team deal with KTM, so they've got to be paying KTM, but there's no way they're not kicking money back to Hurlins as well. Oh, they 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 would have in this. They would have a team deal, and either the team is paying um, part of the money um, that they're receiving, uh, or there's uh, the riders have got personal um, deals as well, which is probably more likely. So they they would have a team deal, and then they would have the high profile riders would have their own um, deal with the company as well. I would um, if this was America, I'd say that they are fish, they are forking out millions for that KTM team. I just don't know, but like. I'd say it's still over a million for KTM and probably Yamaha as well. Kawasaki would definitely be less. I'd say Kawasaki's probably more like 500,000, 400,000. Yeah. 
it'd be um it'd be good to get a an ex um uh team manager team owner uh in to try and sort of like a text an ex alpine stars employee yeah do that yeah it'd be really interesting to um to understand the 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 good question colin i think they always said that barsha was paid by alpine stars in his in his early days like 500 400 and that's just one rider do you know what do you know what i like that question and because i like that question colin that question is performance of the week Blenzo Oils. For over 60 years, Blenzo Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael AC, who won the 2022 Stroke World Championship using Blenzo, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzo's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label Racing Caster to the 455 Ultra or the Versatile Gold label, Blenzo has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Great question, Colin. I like it. At Carl Richards 16, Lewis Phillips 71, have you attended a SX press conference since getting called out by Sean Brennan? No, people have taken this the wrong way. I wasn't getting called out. I've had DMs yeah. about this. I, I get, or we get on really well with um, Sean. Sean is a really good person. And he, he obviously, as soon as we're the biggest website in Europe, he wants us to be on the press conferences and stuff. And I said, yeah, I'm going to try and do as many as I can. Problem is, they are an hour after the race normally. So I've watched every Supercross Live so far. Partly because I kind of have to for my job, but not really, but mainly because I just want to. Um, so, so this is like basically the, this is how it's gone normally. So, say the the night show starts at uh, one a.m. or whatever, um, and then that finishes at four a.m. Then the press conference is an hour after that, uh, so that's five a.m. my time. And then the press conference, no, sorry, the press conference starts an hour after that, so that's. 5am my time, then it lasts for an hour, so then that takes us to 6am my time, and then at that point, I'm basically like, I've done the whole night, and my next day isn't going to be very good, so I've got to like, play it like that, and also, I'm a bit, because I've given it some thought about doing that, but I feel like when going on this Zoom call with all the riders and all the American media who are all looking all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because it's like 10pm, me sat there in the dark because it's 5am and I'm absolutely hanging because I've been awake for 24 hours. Probably wouldn't be a great look for an exercise. I'll kind of put that as a point to that. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to be on some of them. I just, like, there's, a, there's an early race coming up. I think one of the, one of the Atlantas or Arlingtons is an early, like a day race. So the press conference will be a reasonable time then for us. Like, even if it's 1am, 2am, that's, that's much more reasonable than 5am. So, no, Sean, I get on really well with Sean. Sean's, Sean is really, really good at what he does. Like, whenever we go to Supercross, Sean really looks after us. Like, I think I've mentioned him on here before. Like, he genuinely does such a good job. So, I wasn't getting called out. It was all fun and games. Uh, I'd just like to thank Linus Nyden for, uh, and, and a few others who have uh, messaged me on uh, DMs, just keeping me in check of uh, what Lewis is up to. So, thank you. Last question at Tom Cumber forty three. If you had to start a two fifty SX team on a budget, who would you sign from fifth to fifteenth? Well, well, that's that's hard to say because 
if everyone was healthy in the East, then there'd be some there's some better names between 5th and 15th. And we obviously don't know who's going to be between 5th and 15th on the West Coast. But I tell you who I rate highly is McAdoo. And probably he doesn't slip, he might just slip into this category by being 5th, but I think he'll be much higher than that. But I actually, like, watching him at Geneva two or three years ago, like, just watching him, I was like, okay, he has got a sick style. And ever since then, I've rated him so highly. I just liked everything I saw in Geneva. So if I could, if he qualifies in the rules, I'd definitely put him on there. Um, as far as a healthy East Coast goes, I'd probably look at Pettis or Lopes. Probably. Or Oldenburg, actually, because I guess he, he definitely qualifies in that group. Um, how many riders do I have to have? Oh, not that many. Oh, it's up to me. Yeah, so I'd, I'd try and get McAdoo if he qualifies. Oldenburg... And then, um, okay, you know what? I'd get Mumford because I'm quite interested to see what Mumford does this weekend. That's one of the things I'm most excited to watch him. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to sign Max and put him, put him on a 250. Uh, right. You don't there got any go. input? What? You don't got any input? Nope. Do you have anything? Do you have any thoughts at all on that? Um, Who would you sign out of Pettis and Lopes? I don't know. I've um, <laughs> I've been impressed with a couple of riders this year. Yeah, but are they just privateers? Yeah, and I think I'd probably give the privateers a go. Oh, do you want to name one of them? Well, I think Thomas Dew's actually done quite a good job. Oh, do you want to name another one who you wouldn't know from Europe? <laughs> um, I don't know. I... There's a couple of riders which I would have given uh, give a shot. Would which would have been obviously Rodriguez. That would have been quite cool to bring him back. Um, and obviously Welton, but he's um another rider who's sort of come over to Europe. But I think um he obviously hasn't qualified for any of the mains. But I one rider which I I really like is Scott Champion. So, but obviously. Performance base, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a very good team, but we'd just be. Does sick. Scott Champion even race still? Yeah, yeah, he's still there week in week out. Still, yeah, I don't think he's qualified for a main this year. So there we go. So fuck you, Lewis. Uh, that's Leah. Ask Vice anything. Uh, Leah has taken another step forward with the introduction of another set of boots to the range, the all new four point five. These boots offer many of the features that come with the super successful five point five flex lock boots. As well as advanced technology like the slide lock closure system and extended foot peg riding zone, but at mid range price point. 4.5 boots are available worldwide for 254 pounds or 299 euros, which actually, that's my kind of rant of the week. Can I have a rant of the week? You mean what grinds your gears? Yeah, and that as well. Fucking boots, like 600 pounds nearly for a set of boots. Like, what the fucking... Is, what is the world coming to? Absolute ludicrous. I don't know. You should check out the Liat 4.5 boots. Exactly. I, I, do, do you know what? It's, it's crazy. I, I get, you know, I, I get about um, helmet safety and everything else. In hands down, anything with the MIP system, 6Ds. Um, the fly formula. Fly formula. Um, the companies which are seriously investing in, in, in helmets, you know, absolutely awesome you guys should literally put these on your head spend the extra money but 
I really would like to do, like speak to someone at length about what the difference is between a six hundred pound boot and a two hundred and fifty quid boot with safety. Okay. Just, 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 and, and do you know what? If I've got this wholly wrong, please let me know uh, on Twitter at James Burfield or Instagram. I think it's the same one. Um, tag Lewis in as well because he loves to um, shoot shit if I get things wrong. Um, oh, no, I'm not that. Leave me out this one. Okay, whatever. But yeah, um, I might have got this completely wrong, but what is the difference between a 600 pound pair of boots and a 250 quid pair of boots retail? I, I really am interested in this. So, uh, are we having a break or do you want to do this shit game and we just go? Um, uh, or should we not have the game this week? No, well, I've, I, to be fair, I have to put quite a lot of effort into the questions. So, Oh, fuck it. Come on, let's do the game. Then Do the game and then we'll go. We'll, call it well a day. this is an interesting game this week. Because last week you went on and on and on about how they were questions from 2012 or 2008 or whatever. Yeah. So they are all 2020 questions. So... <laughs> Oh, good. It's time for you to put your money where your mouth is. You ready for this? No. <laughs> See, this is, why you, this is what you get. You kicked up a fuss. If you just kept quiet, I wouldn't have put you in this position. But you kicked up a fuss, and here we are, and you may be about to look quite stupid. And that's, you've only got yourself to blame. But anyway, this is the Even Strokes Are You Smarter Than a Birth Game. It's a five-question quiz. Quiz? Quiz? Five question quiz testing James's knowledge on the sport. Even Strokes is an online shop with a range of offers on talent, wheels, props, performance parts. Every fucking week you fuck up the intro. (laughs) Be sure to visit www.evenstrokes.com for deals on products. And remember that anyone who makes a purchase of £15 or more will get entered to win £1,000 worth of prizes too. Question one. I'd also like to say that we do sell uh, Shift MX-21 and Fox MX-21 kit as well. Also, FXR, Yoko, uh, Motorex has currently got a 10% offer off. Lewis just generally doesn't give a fuck. Carry on. We need to have a meeting after this podcast. We fucking do. Yeah. Name, uh, question one. Name the 2020 EMX-125 champion. Just say his name. That's all I want. You know I can't fucking pronounce it because he was on a Fantic. Say his name. It's an Italian kid on a Fantic. Yeah, but you, I, I will accept it if the pronunciation is wrong. What? It's just that you don't know his name. You know he's Italian, you just don't know his name. No, it's because his name's so confusing that I never remembered it. So that's a pass? Yes, that's a pass. You were looking for Andrea Bonacossi. That's it. How the fuck am I supposed to fucking pronounce that? Well, you wanted questions about 2020. Question two. Guadagini was hard enough. That took me about two years to learn. Question two. List all of the Kawasaki riders who finished on the MX2 overall podium in 2020. Okay. Uh, uh, Harrop, because he'd done that in Matali. Um, Is that correct? I'm not feeding feedback until you've you've um, entered your answer. Okay, uh, Harrop, uh, Moustike, uh, Boirame, and uh, Fevre, and did Desel get a podium? Desel got a podium, yeah. 
This is difficult for me because the question was, list all of the Kawasaki riders who finished on, on the MX2 oh, I didn't. podium in 2020. And I didn't see Fevra or DeSalle up on the MX2 podium Sorry, at any point. I didn't hear the MX2 part. So I don't know whether to give you the mark or not, because technically, if I if this was an if this was your GCSEs, yeah, I'd have to give you zero marks because you didn't read the question correctly. Well, interestingly, I've actually overexceeded the question, so I should probably get two fucking marks. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the case because oh fuck you, I got two passes. Crack on. You get one mark. No, you get one mark for that. I'll give you a mark. Who had the most MX2 Moto wins of this season? KTM, Husqvarna, or Yamaha? I am going to go... Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go Yamaha because Gertz and Watson together would be more. That's correct. And also Renault as well. There you go. That's uh, yeah. correct. Uh, who won the most motos out of these three this year? Fevra, Caroli or Sewer? Uh, fuck. Um... Fevra. It's sewer. Piss. Finally, question five. List all of the manufacturers that got an MXGP Moto win in 2020. Uh, Yamaha. Yep. Honda. Kawasaki. Uh, Katie. No. Hang on. Yeah, KTM. Berlin's. We got injured. Uh, gas, gas. No. Hang on. Sounds like you're having a right man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did Cold Enough get a win? I'm gonna have to push you. I'm afraid. Yeah, and uh, gas, gas. Yeah. Ah, oh, you were so close. You need. You just missed Husqvarna. Hello. Hello. Hi. You were just you just missed. You needed Husqvarna. Did I not say Husqvarna? No. Hmm. That's disappointing. Well, after giving it all the large one, it turns out that you got three. two marks out I got, of. I got three. You fuck. Where from? I got the first three right. No, you didn't get Andrea Bonacorsi right. Yeah, I fucking did. You didn't say his name. You said the Italian guy. Oh, the fanatic, yeah. Uh, and the question was, name the 2020 EMX125 champion. And I don't think he goes, I don't think his passport says the Italian guy who rides a fanatic. That's all you need to know. Everybody else on, who's listening to this would agree with me. Well, I even think... If, it, even if you tell me the name, I still can't pronounce it or even say it. I think 2020 questions are boring. Well, you, you are right. And the reason why you, I, I have no majority of all of them. What you were playing up, were you? Yeah, just playing, playing to the, playing to the show. All right. I just wanted to get a few wrong because it's not right if I get all five because then it defeats the whole purpose. If you're taking a piss out of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously you, obviously you did remember that Jonas won a moto before the COVID break. Yeah, that might slip my mind. <laughs> see, see, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, right. Cool. So. Uh, thank God that game's over with. And um, do, do you feel better? Sometimes I feel like this show's therapy for you. No, uh, no, I don't really like doing that game with 2020 questions because they're just all a bit blare. All right, we'll just go back to what it was then. 
Yeah, good. Because those are interesting questions because they get me thinking and I think... Yeah, and, 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 and at the end of the day, it's all about you. Okay, once again, thank you for putting words in my mouth. As I was saying before, you rudely interrupted me. And the pe- I know the people at home who like to play along probably find those more entertaining than these 2020 questions because it's then, so recent. And Andrea Brockabuni. Right, the final part uh, is done. It's only two parts this week. I'd like to thank Talon Engineering, the industry leaders in aftermarket wheels and sprockets. Teams like Rockstar, Energy Husqvarna Factory Racing in the USA, Rocky Mountain ATV, MC KTM, Bill Base Honda, and one very significant MXGP team, maybe, put their trust in the same wheels that you can get your hands on. Get more at Talon information at talon-eng.com. Yeah, of course, I've updated that. It's obviously Crendon, Arsh Track. Arsh Track? Honda. Arsh Track? Is that what the other one's? Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, shit, they're no longer built. Yeah, I, forgot. I keep forgetting to update that name. Yeah, yeah there we go. Who knew? Okay, right, that's it. That's a wrap. Uh, sorry, it's a little bit shorter than, than usual, but there is absolutely soddle to talk about. So thank you to everybody who sent a question in, which actually makes us, uh, we're able to do this. So please keep it up. Uh, I'm off to watch West Coast. What are you up to, Lewis? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to watch West Coast because it's like 48 hours away. So Depends when you're listening to this, so hey. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, in, fact, in that case, just in case someone's listening to this in May, I'm just going to go off to Oss for the first GP. You've really lost your marbles a bit towards the end of this show. Do you think? Yeah, like you've got a bit angry. Like you got very angry at me, and I don't know why. Just uh, a lot of attacks. I need to go to the toilet. Oh. Yeah, we didn't really have a break, did we? And I kind of had two cups of tea, and now I need a wee. Kind of getting old. Okay. All right. That's good for you. Well, I've got to say, it was enjoyable you coming up Monday. It was good to shoot shit with you and talk. Um, and actually, I believe that you might have enjoyed it a little bit as well. Um. Sure. But if you want to keep up the, uh, the uh, you know, the anti-me on this show, it's absolutely fine to us. The, the what in you? The anti-me. So um, at least there's Sean. Okay. Thanks for doing this podcast, James. Thanks for turning up, Lewis. See you next week. We'll be back <laughs> next week. <laughs> Bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out Liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. 
Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show.